This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The MVM Show. I'm Titus from Mid-Valley Mercenaries on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Guys, check us out, and I appreciate you being here today for all of those of you that are normally here and those of you guys that are new to the show. Don't forget to go on, give us five-star, rate us, review us, tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it helps us out, get this podcast growing. It's grown already quite a bit. I can't believe how much it's grown, but it's exciting. It's fun. We're on podcast episode number 11 today and this one's gonna be a little bit different guys i am actually flying solo on this and i actually plan to make a few parts maybe two three four five i don't know quite yet how many we're gonna do with this and i'll be honest with you i'm probably gonna be doing most of these by myself and hopefully you guys enjoy them um it's kind of hard to have a host uh, a co-host with this thomas is not gonna be here and I, he doesn't even know i'm recording this actually it's because it's really something that I, I want to go over and that I, this is basically what it's going to be about. Lessons learned from being a rookie duck dog trainer, okay? Things that I get asked all the time, all the time on Instagram, all the time on Facebook. I get messages all the time and as you guys well know, I do not claim to be a duck dog trainer. I mean, I guess I can say I'm now because I'm training a dog, I've trained a dog Rocky's been through his first season. If you guys watch our videos on YouTube, if you haven't, you need to go check them out. Type in the search Mid-Valley Mercenaries in YouTube and you'll see our channel. A bunch of dog training videos, uh, duck hunting and stuff like that. And Rocky, from the first video, first his first hunt trip to the end, it was a phenomenal change. And I, I don't take all the credit, obviously, because I'm just doing what Chris Aiken says to do. So... Um, yes, I did the work, took the time and everything, but I believe and want to encourage every single one of you that are trying to train a duck dog, guys, you can do it. I'm telling you, I know how it is to feel discouraged. Um, some people get more discouraged than others. You know, I've talked to some that thought they basically just given up and I said, man, don't give up. You're right there. You just got to stay consistent. 
And that's the key to training a duck dog. You know what? Sometimes things come up. You get off for a week or so, whatever. You haven't been able to train them. You know what? That don't mean give up. You just keep going and keep grinding away at it. So I'm actually getting some questions. I put it out on Instagram right now for people to send me um, some questions. But I have a list myself that I'm going to go over right now. And I'm going to actually keep this shorter than normal. I like kind of like the 40 five minute range for a podcast an hour but beans it's by myself and I'm gonna be doing all the talking and I don't have a drink uh, a water or sweet tea to wet the old whistle um, I'm just gonna keep it about 30 minutes and probably gonna make this a multiple part series so guys sit back relax enjoy and uh, we're gonna get going on this so this is one of the biggest questions I get all the time and this is I'm telling you this is the title of this lessons learned okay this is lessons learned from a rookie guy, but stuff that I look back on now and I'm like, man, I need to redo a video of that. I need to put another video out of that. And it's not always just because I didn't feel like I copied what Chris Aiken said. By the way, guys, if you want to train a duck dog, you've got to go to Amazon, type in Chris Aiken Duck Dog Basics. I'm looking at it right now. The DVD is right here in my office. And that thing will get your dog from being a six to seven week old puppy all the way to the duck blind ready to go. But being that it is addicting to train a dog, you'll find out like me that I thought that's where I was going to stop. And now I'm like almost done with part two, which is advanced uh, stuff. So anyways, the biggest question, guys, I get all the time and it's totally fine. I want everybody to feel more than welcome. In fact, if you guys have any questions you can email me at midvalleymercenaries at gmail.com. My name's Titus. Or you can go on our Instagram, midvalleymercenaries, and message me through there or on Facebook. But the question I get all the time is about healing. And, you know, lessons learned. This is what I've learned, okay? I've, I highly suggest in all my videos, when as I'm documenting training Rocky, to get this 40 foot or 30 foot check cord, floating check cord. And you do need to get that. You can get it on Amazon. I believe it's Avery that makes it. But the thing is, looking back now, and that is what Chris suggests, if I was to upgrade and try to do something a little bit better and make the healing for Rocky tighter, as I know that's a big thing to you guys is getting your dog to heal. Write this down, okay? You might want to pen and paper for this podcast or type it in your phone in your notes. Because this stuff is stuff that I could so help you guys on if you listen and you try for it. And it is called Wonder Lead. Wonder Lead. L-E-A-D. Like a lead. And Delmar Smith is the one that makes that. Okay, so what that thing kind of is, it reminds me of like a twine, like a belling twine almost kind of. Except heavier duty. And what it is, is when you're healing your dog, okay, the biggest thing, and I wish, this is lessons learned, one thing I wish I would have did, and Rocky Hill's great, especially when we kind of re-up it and go over it again, but one thing I wish I would have did a little bit better, and I noticed watching my own videos, taking notes for myself, and that would be the fact that when you're healing and you say heal, and you pop them, right, like if they're getting out of place, if they're looking left, looking right, slowing down, getting ahead, whatever they're doing, and you say heal, and you pop it, like Chris Zakin says, you pop it and say heal. And the one thing I notice a lot of people are doing that don't they don't do is they don't get aggressive enough on that, and I'm not saying you have to like lift them off the ground, but it needs to be a very abrupt pop, 
And Chris will say that in the video. And you'll see what he does. I mean, people say they watch his videos, but the, the questions people ask him, like, man, you did not watch his video. There's no way you did. And I'm telling you, I bet you I've watched this that first video over 50 times, rewatching, rewatching that same part. If I'm going to go train and work on heel this day, then I watch that part two or three times before I go out and do it. And I still make mistakes. Like, I watch in the videos, like, if we're healing and I pop it, which is, I did do that. But a lot of times I would notice that I didn't leave slack in the check cord. So w once they're in place, guys, if you're, okay, you're sitting, they're right by you. You step off with your left foot. You always step off with your left foot if your dog is on your left-hand side. If you're a right-handed shooter. They're sitting right next to you. You step off with your left foot and you say heel. And as long as they're in line with you, you want no pressure on their neck. You want a complete slack check cord, a complete slack lead. You don't want them to feel anything, any pressure, because all the training is is about pressure. Now, the moment they get out of place, you need to say heel. And you don't have to say it every time. That's one of the things I kind of found myself doing. You really don't need to because once it's ingrained in their head to heel, you still need to say it, but you don't have to say it every time. I mean, because my goodness, when they first start, you're saying you're going to say heel like every three seconds, you know, because they're getting out of place. But pop it. As soon as they get back in place, you let the you let it off. Don't walk around with a taut. And I don't even like saying that word. A taut or a tight, however you want to say it. A tight check cord or a tight lead. If they're doing what they're supposed to do, they should not be feeling pressure. So that's one thing I feel like I can help you guys with and that and that that uh, lead, that wonder lead. What I like about that one is, guys, and this will help you out. I'm telling you, go check it out. I think they're on Amazon. If they're not, just Google wonder lead by Delmar Smith and um, order that thing. I don't think it's very much. And when you pull it tight, it cinches good. When you let slack, it releases very good. Like It really releases, whereas a check cord... I've noticed sometimes it don't really release real good. Like it still kind of stays snug around the neck. So anyways, that that's one of the lessons learned. Another question I get, and I don't know if this is really a lessons learned, but a, thing, a question I get a lot, and uh, you, I could always be better at it, but your dog, your puppy, from the time you get them, has to learn what the word no means. Now, you guys say, yeah, I tell my dog no. I, some people have told me, I tell my dog no all the time. <laughs> Multiple people say that. I'm like, okay, you may tell them no, but do they know what the word no means? Okay, l listen to my voice. So like, for instance, let's, um, let's, and this is how I explain it to him. They, you've got to have a stern tone when you say no, Okay. I've heard guys say, no, 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 don't, no, don't do that. No, it's like, dude, that ain't going to, that is not going to get the point across to the dog. The dog has to know. And and you say, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about no, you know? I'll tell you exactly why. Because one day, that two-letter word could save your dog's life. If your dog's about to go full blast running into the street with cars coming both ways, and you say, no, no, and that dog keeps running and, and a car runs over him, you're going to wish that you would have, that dog would have listened to you. And the only way they're going to listen to you is if you have a stern no, no, 
you know, you don't have to yell at your dog. You don't have to say, but there's a big difference between no and here, right? Here. Here is I'm trying to draw them in. I want them to come to me. I want them to want me. But no as in if they're if you go throw a bumper and they take it and take off running, they need to you need to say no. You know, that abrupt, I know I'm being abrupt, but I, I got to get that point across cuz no means no, right? But I think a lot of people aren't using the tone in their voices to let their puppy know, their dog know, and they need to learn that at a young age. When you know, and I'm going to let this roll right into a next thing. Okay, so the word no means no. Let's roll into this. My puppy is biting and nipping. Okay, yes, guaranteed they are because they're a puppy, right? They're baby teeth. They're sensitive. They It feels good to chew. It feels good to bite. Whereas that's what means you need to get something for them to chew on, a chew toy, a little bone, something that they can, you know, you know how it is when you have that loose tooth and it just feels good to have pressure on it <coughs> it's the same thing with your puppy you know and one thing I see people doing and I didn't do it maybe I have in the past as a kid but like when I got Rocky if I would see the girls like trying to put their fingers in his mouth and let him chew on him I'd, be, I'd tell him no stop you know do not do that do not let him chew on your fingers like that because those things are like razors and the older he gets, the harder he's going to bite. And it's a horrible habit to let your dog get into. It's not fun or cute to let your dog chew on your fingers and stuff like that. But what I want to answer is and help you guys with, if you have a puppy, any of you guys out there that have puppies right now that are between 6, 7, 8 weeks, 10 weeks, even 12 weeks, and hopefully they're broke of this by then, super simple, quick, easy trick to stop them from doing that. <clears throat> And I learned this from my boss. A, a dog trainer actually told him this. You take your thumb and you put it in their mouth. When they start trying to nip on you and bite on you and chew on you, take your thumb and jam it and set it right on top of their tongue with your the rest of your palm and fingers on under their chin and put that thumb in there deep, a little bit deep, to where it almost gags them and just hold pressure. Don't you have to push hard or hurt. You're not hurting them, but hold pressure until they're almost gagging and they're... They, for a second, they'll almost think they're getting the chew, like, oh, this is going to be fun. In about three or four seconds, they dawns on them, hey, this ain't no fun. It's gagging me, and I don't like it anymore. And what you'll feel is their head pulling back. They're trying to get away from you. Mark my words. <laughs> Send me an email to themidvalleymercenaries at gmail.com and tell me that it worked for you because I know it did. Like, that's how I lay $1,000 down. That will stop your dog from nipping and biting. I promise you. It's 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 instant. It's like they may do it one more time again or two more times a couple days later. I promise you they will never do it to you again. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean that they won't maybe do it to your kids or to your wife or someone because you're this whole process is you teaching who is the alpha male. But you can also tell other people, hey, when he's doing that to you, this is how you do that. You know, and you don't want to let him do it. Tell him, hey, this, I please do this for me. And once he's like, okay, every single person I'm trying to chew on their fingers, they're doing this. I'm done. I don't want to chew on fingers no more. So that's a little tip out there I could throw to you guys. Um, uh, next one on lessons learned. Um, I feel like Rocky's got drive. And it definitely, as he got older, and definitely when we're duck hunting, it's major drive. It's a whole nother level than it is if you're doing forest to pile. 
If you're a new trainer, you probably don't even know what that means, but just like I didn't know what it means just not that long ago, um, they're not expected to have a lot in that phase of life because that's something you're forcing them to do. That's why it's called force the pile. But being a young dog, you want to keep the drive up. And one of the things I wish I would have did a little bit more with Rocky to keep that drive up um, is, and I didn't do this with him, but let me throw one example out there. I see these people with their eight and nine week old pups steadying them for a bumper or for a tennis ball. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? That is not what you want to do. That is not fun for the puppy. The puppy needs to be able to run free when you throw something. There needs to be no steadiness there. And I, and I'm, yes, I'm claiming to be a rookie duck dog trainer, but you're going to hear Chris Aiken say that. You're going to hear Bob Owens with Lone Duck say that. You're going to hear the retriever trainer and, and all Freddie King, all these guys, you don't, it's not impressive. Everybody thinks I see these little Instagram things. People like, look at my dog. He's steady and he's nine weeks old. It's like, dude, you are not doing yourself any favors. You're not creating drive in that dog. You want them to want that bumper. You want them to love that bumper. Like, and for them to have to sit there and wait for it, this starts to, man, this ain't that fun. He's like taking the way the fun out of this. Look, you know what? And pretty soon he's going to squirrel, you know? He's going to look off. You throw that deal out there, but you're holding their chest. You're trying to make them steady to impress your friends on Instagram. And all before you know it, there's a, a, a cat that runs across the road. Or there's a butterfly that goes across, and he's totally distracted. Let them go for that thing right away. And another thing, jumping into this, one to two, maybe three retrieves with your pup with a tennis ball when they're super young, that's it. And maybe not do it again for two or three more days. The thing is, it's so hard for people. And it was a little bit for me, I guess. I, I never really, I guess it probably would have been, right? You have a retriever. You want the dog to go out. You want him to retrieve. That's what you got him for, right? It's exciting. But I think because I had watched Chris Sagan's DVD before, um, I even really did anything with Rocky and before I even got him, he was saying that same thing. One or two retrieves, put it away. Leave them wanting. And I thought, wow, that makes complete sense. You know, you anything good, a whole bunch, you finally just like, eh, it's not that good anymore. But when you barely get a little bit of it and then it's taken away from me, you're like, man, I can't wait till the next time I can go do this or that, you know, same concept. So those are things uh, for steady sake that I kind of wish, you know, like I didn't do that with Rocky as far as the fetching, but like just making a lot more stuff fun and just not rushing it. You know, you want to get to these points and you're like, man, I want to get here. I cannot wait till they're six months to do formal training, you know, because obedience training's done, you know, and it's like, but now I look back, I'm like, yeah, you just got to enjoy those early months and early weeks um, more, you know? And that's one of the things that's hard for us to do, you know, is in, enjoy that. Um, guys, I'm getting a bunch of getting a bunch of Instagram messages. We're at uh, 17 minutes, so this is uh, this is good though because I got tons of stuff written down. So I might not get to all of it. That's good. We'll do we'll roll that into part two. Um, all right, here's a lesson learned from a rookie duck dog trainer. And, of course, that person is myself we're speaking of today. 
Change training locations, okay? I learned this, I won't say the hard way, but it was like a light switch went on. So I always did all my training in my front yard, right? It's easy to come home from work, get Rocky out, do it in the front yard. But what happens is, is they grow accustomed to that. And really, guys, this is not just for pups, little pups, and it is for them too, but also for, for older dogs. I know there's some guys that message me a lot that have older dogs, uh, eight months, a year old, year and a half old. You're like basically starting from scratch. Train, change your training environment. Change the place. Um, what I was doing is I was training a lot in my front yard. And then I would say after three, four months, I went to the high school and it was like complete distraction. There was new sights, new sounds, new smells. Uh, you know, other dogs had been through this area. He wasn't used to that. There were kids running around if it was at the high school. Cars are driving by in spots that that's not the normal sounds he's hearing. So it's not a bad thing. You want to introduce him to new stuff. So that's my point is don't always get stuck training in the same spot, the same spot, the same spot. There is a time and place for that. For instance, when you're doing force to pile, they kind of, Chris goes over it and some other trainers have different ideas, I'm sure. But he went, he said, same spot. This is very adamant that you do the same spot and, you know, home play and, and pitcher's man, all this stuff. It's got to be the same spot. We're not going to get into that, but. On this situation, definitely train it. If you're going to go out there and do, um, you know, fun bumpers and hup hups, you know, and get them all jacked up and pumped up, that's, you know, that's putting drive in them right there, you know, to go get that bumper, man, as fast as you can. Change environments for that. Um, if you're doing force fetch, you know, change environments. I did a lot of it in the back of my truck bed, but in different places and areas and different sounds. And it's good. It's just acclimating them to different environments when you finally get them out of the duck blind that makes sense to you guys so if you're constantly changing it um then they won't become accustomed to it so that's that's one thing i definitely learned in this um you know journey of training my own duck dog um let's see here here's a huge tip and this is a tip from chris it was hard for me at times to integrate this okay and that is if you get frustrated stop training immediately Stop. I'm telling you, if you can listen to anything, listen to that because that really applies from day one of training to obedience all the way to formal training and advanced training. If you're getting frustrated because maybe you have a lack of knowledge of something like I've had or maybe I got frustrated um, because they weren't doing what I wanted to do or maybe they knew something. That's really frustrating. In fact, Chris even speaks of that in one of our podcasts you guys haven't heard of it, Chris was on the podcast. It was either episode four or five. And he was talking about sometimes he enjoys training the younger dogs better because the younger dogs, they're learning, learning something new every day. And it's just like, man, every day they impress you. It's like, man, it's crazy how fast they learn. But then you got more of an advanced dog. And it's like, dude, you know this. You should know this. You know how to heal. Why are you acting like this? Or you know to sit and not get up until I, until I tell you here. You know, so that is one thing. If you get frustrated like that, end on a good note, end on a fun bumper, use a couple of hup ups, end on a good note, guys. Don't ever end on a bad note. But if you get frustrated, just stop training right then and there. Don't go no more. You're not going to make any progress with the dog. You're just going to get more frustrated yourself. I understand there is some things that I've, I worked through, but I remember 
a few times that I did try to push through it when I was getting frustrated, I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen against what my will wants to do. Like, I want to just keep pushing through this and fix this issue, you know, whether it was force fetch or whether it was heel training. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to step away. And I do a fun bumper, get them all tail wagging again. Because at that point, your dog reads you and knows that you're frustrated. They may be frustrated too. The dog gets frustrated. Their tail's not wagging. They're not happy. And really, you just ain't going to make, from experience, lessons learned. <laughs> you're really not going to make a lot of uh, headway in that situation. Just do a fun bumper. Go back to the, to the barn, the garage, the house, wherever you're at. Maybe give them a bone, pet them, say good boy, and try again. Even if it's three or four hours, guys, you don't have to wait till the next day. Come back three or four. Dude, I'm telling you right now, in force fetch training, that was a three and four day time day thing. I mean, that really took some work. That that was really tough. I shouldn't say really tough, but it was it wasn't easy. I can tell you that much. Probably the hardest part of the training of any of it so far, I think. And I think every dog's different. Um, it's one of those things once you start, you really need to do it two or th- that is one thing you do need to do like three times a day for like five to ten minutes and do it every single day. Like don't miss on that because that is I mean, if you have to miss, you miss. It's not a crime or anything, but I'm just letting you know it's definitely helps to do that all in a row because man, if you don't, it gets stretched out a long time. But anyways, get frustrated, stop training immediately, move on. All right. Okay, uh, I'll surprise end with this one. We're at 23 minutes, and then I'm going to jump on the Instagram and see what questions, if we have any on there. Um, one thing I wrote down, do not move on to the next phase of training until perfected what you're on. Okay, and I, and I wrote down to a point. Okay, there's certain things um, that you can still do other training while you're doing this training, but there's sometimes certain aspects of the training cannot you cannot go forward in that until you get that right I'm not saying they need to be show ready and ready for the big old field trials or something I'm not talking about that but let's let's give uh let's give an example here okay so sit stay now remember just throw this tip out there before I get rolling on this sit stay the reason I say that together because those words are the same so you don't you don't tell when you want a dog to stay you say sit sit and then you walk and you you know I'm not going to go into that right now but there's some things you do with the hand in the face and the right foot forward to kind of block when you're first initially training but you say sit and then you back up and do you know make sure they stay and they're steady but you do not say stay it's it's redundant guys sit Sit, stay is to let people know when they put those words together that that's what you're wanting them to do because there's a difference between, hey, your dog stand up, sit, and they sit. And there's a difference between sit, stay to where you say sit, and then you walk away and they stay there, if that makes sense to you guys, okay? But let's say if you're working on sit, stay, right, and you're walking away, you put your right f- foot, kind of swing around them and put your hand up, like when they're initially learning, I don't have to do really do it like that anymore, but... And you're walking away, and maybe you're doing circles around them out at 30 feet away from them, and you're making sure they don't move, they don't get up. And uh, you make sure they stay there, and you, you're you doing good at that. Or let's say your dog doesn't do good at that, and they keep getting up. 
And then you're like, oh, well, he sits half the time. He sits 50% of the time and stays, you know. And then you move on to later down the road. It may be three, four, five, six months before you start being having him steady in the blind. But I'm telling you right now, if they, if you've got to perfect to, to a point, you're training early because I'm telling you, there's a reason for it. You're building foundations for later on. If you don't get your dog to sit, stay on the easy part of learning the hill work and the sit, stay down the road, don't expect them to stay there when you, when you want them to be steady in the duck blind. See, you see how it all links together. It all builds together. It all links together. So it's really important. That's one thing I, a lesson I learned. I was like, man, if I wouldn't have really dialed in at this part of training, you know, um, I'd be up a creek right now because I'd have to go all the way back to that that step and relearn that and redo it because I got sloppy or lazy in it. You know, does that make sense to everybody? So really try to get it dialed in. And everything is a building block, guys. The, these dog trainers are genius. They've been doing it for a long time, 30, 40 years. They've got to dial it in. They've, they've, maybe someone was good 60 years ago and these guys tweaked it and made it even better. I mean, just the training gets better and better all the time, guys. So get strict. Don't be sloppy in your training. That is a lesson I learned, and I'm glad I did it. Man, I'm glad I did it because there was times I was like, eh, I'm just going to move on. I want to move to the next phase of training. I, I want to do something new, but you guys really dial it in. Uh, let it, you know, let it get to the point to where you – um, do exactly what it is, and you make no deviations from it. So now I'm going to go on. I don't think I got very many, just maybe one or two. Kind of didn't give people much of a chance. Um, let's see here. I got one from... Okay, this is from Christine. Kristen, I think it's from Kristen, if you're listening to this, Kristen. Um, it says, she says, I'm about to pick up my pup in like 20-ish days. What do I need to make sure I hit on so that they will trust me and obey me only? Um, Kristen, and I hope I'm saying that right. Also, your handle on Instagram is Miss American Queen. Um, your dog is going to trust you just by nature if you treat him right, right? A dog's man's best friend, woman's best friend in this scenario. So you, by you feeding them every single day, you're already creating that bond where they trust you because you are their life source, basically. And you know whether you're gonna have them inside the house or not. I don't, I don't bring my dogs inside, but I know a lot of people do. And Chris Aiken was saying how actually dogs live longer now. It's proven because they're not living in the the environment they used to, just out in the you know, the cold, the harsh weather, whatever. Now they're coming in the house, laying on the couch, sleeping with people, you know, so they live longer. But um, obedience training, and that goes back to you're saying, what will I do to get them to uh, trust you and obey you only? Um, they don't really have to obey you only. Like, you know, my dog, Rocky, I want him to listen to Thomas too. If Thomas says, says no, you know, and I'm not able to reach him. I want Rocky to know what the word no means, you know, even from other people, not just me, but um, to obey you. See, obedience training, like I said, it comes back to that word no. You know, be firm in that no. 
No. If they're doing something, if they're chewing up on something and that you don't want them to, man, break them up at young when they're there. But um, one of the things you can do, Kristen, is um, work on uh, crate training, getting them to go in the crate. And they're totally fine to sleep in there now. When you first get them, depending on how old they are, if they're only seven weeks, you're going to have to get up probably every three hours to let them out to go to the bathroom. They got those little bladders, you know. And uh, as they get older, they'll they'll make it through the night. I don't I don't I don't know. I don't want to say like maybe eleven weeks, ten weeks. I just know for a couple of weeks we're definitely gonna be letting them out. Um, I'm trying to think of something new when they first come in. I want to throw this out there, guys. You Canuba, look it up. Um, I'll suggest a couple foods because some are a little bit more than others. So for a new puppy, if you're getting a new puppy, get the dog food ready, get the dog bowl, the dog dish ready, get the water dish, everything ready before they get there. Um, get, and I'm sorry, man, I keep running out of breath <laughs> doing all the talking, believe it or not, as much as I like to talk, I'm getting short of air, but, um, I really highly suggest Yukonuba. It's a 30-20 blend and it's for all ages, I believe. They also got the puppy stage. And then what I, tra- I basically raised Rocky on was the Purina Pro Plan. It's in a purple and black bag. And it is the sport dog blend, and it's a 30-20, which means 30% protein, 20% fat. And that is what Chris Aiken highly suggests as a 30-20 blend. I know a lot of guys do. But I have Rocky on Yukonuba now and uh, plan on keeping him on that. Really like it. And, if man, if Chris says, Chris Aiken says it's the best for for health and for muscle tone, for teeth and for hair on your dog, then I'm listening to what he says. So hopefully that answers your question uh, Miss America Queen, um, rereading this question again. What can you hit on to make sure they will trust you and obey me only? You know, they're when they're new, it's just it's real easy. They want to be around you. They want to be with you. And I would say the more time that you can spend with them, the better. And I um, hate Rocky went to work with me all the time. He rode with me in the truck. He has a puppy, so we built a super tight bond. So I mean, if you can do that. That is really going to help you out a lot. Um, let me see here. Let me see. There there was some another one. Uh, uh, M. Beasley, 14. He wants to know when this podcast drops. So anyways, um, I do have some more stuff. But guys, we're at 32 minutes. I'm going to stop it there. I definitely think we're going to get two or three, maybe four episodes out of this. And uh, guys... I appreciate you listening in. I hope this helps. So let me end this with, if for all of you, because I know when you're a dog trainer and you're training your puppy and you're new at it, like I am, was, whatever you want to call it now, obviously every dog you train, you're going to get more experience. Um, don't be afraid to email me at midvalleymercenaries at gmail.com. Mercenaries, look it up. Google it before you, so you don't misspell it. I guess I wasn't thinking of that when I originally came up with that name. It's been pretty tough for people to spell it out, but it's M-E-R-C-E-N-A-R-I-E-S, okay? So type that in and uh, email me if you got any questions or uh, any other topics you would like me to go off of on on the next part two of this series. Um, I don't know when it will be next. we got some other guests coming on. Uh, hit me up there, guys. I really want to help you out the best I can. I wanted, I like this. Lessons learned. I, I, I feel like I can help some people out with 
the mistakes that I made and the things that I did do right that I, I'm glad I did, you know. So hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Sorry you got to listen to my voice the whole time. There's no break in a guest or Thomas being here, but I, I feel like this was the best platform to help you guys out on. And uh, if it helps you out, guys, give me a review. Give us a review. Write a review. Take Just say this was awesome. This was great. You don't have to write some fancy review. Give us five stars. Subscribe to it. Stay tuned in. Go check out our YouTube channel, Mid Valley Mercenaries, for duck hunting content, dog training content, all that good stuff, guys. And hit the old subscribe button there, too. We're always putting out videos to try to help you guys. And every once in a while, do a little entertainment. So thanks for listening in, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>